Happy Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week, as we just got our waiver wire players going through. Obviously, I'm recording this Tuesday night, so I have no idea, but I can only guess some of the players who are gone right now. Somebody somebody has to be grabbing Ronald Jones the third, I believe it is, from the Bucks. He's been finally listed as a starter. He's getting a lot of carries. I can only imagine somebody in the top three is going to grab. Now, I assumed that last week. I was shocked at number six, six that I got Jalen Samuels. Maybe people didn't realize and do their homework that he was going to be the starter that week and possibly this week against the Rams. Now, he didn't rush very well. Um, the Steelers as a whole unit didn't really rush too well, but he did get 13 catches. He was the leading receiver for the team. So, you know, if he didn't have a fumble, he would have broke 20 points. So I was shocked, like I said, at, at number six that I got him last week. So we'll see if I'm correct, if Jones goes in the top three, some of the other potential candidates, you you know, it always depends on what your team needs. You If you've got four receivers, you're not going to go after another top receiver. You could. Kalen Balaj with the suspension of Mark Walton. But, you know, Mark Walton, he had some decent, a few decent games. But that Dolphins offense, it's just not, there's nothing there that makes you scream. You know, any running back from Miami is going to be a desperate play. It's going to be, I have no choice. Let's hope. Balaj hasn't done much throughout the season, even when he had a chance. I think his season high is six points. So Balaj is a possibility. Naheem Hines, Edmonds from the, the Steelers. He had a pretty good game last week. Most of it, though, I did watch that game. He had 73 yards, and it was highlighted by one big 43-yard run that I was like, man, where's the – it was a huge hole. And you're like, where are those – you hate when you see that. When you get your running back and the backup comes in and he gets a huge, great play, and then they start saying, oh, give him some more carries. You know, he had a great play. And it's, well, yeah, the, the offensive line made an incredible hole. You know, and then the, the the other 10 carries, the guy didn't do much. So anyone watch that Raider game? McKenzie, he had a really good game last week. Four carries for 32 yards. That's a great average, but three catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. So he had double-digit points with 16. He is, if you're desperate for a running back, is someone we could see picked up. So, I mean, there is several guys on there that I uh, tomorrow or at this point when you're listening today, if I woke up in the morning and checked the list, I would be shocked if if McKenzie and Jones are still there. Those two the most. Balaj could be someone like who's saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we saw what the Colts defense did last week to the Steelers, and they have a much better running game than Miami, and they they – Rushed over 100 yards as a unit, but not no no one guy really dominated other than because it's PPR, Samuels did. So, yeah, McKissick, he's at Chicago, and you got to wonder, could the Lions actually get him some passing game, game going? The Bears have not been great against the run, as we've seen, at least in recent weeks. So he could be a, a possible candidate. There's several other guys. I'm not going to go up and down through the list. But I think running backs usually the hardest to find, and this late in the season is is one of the few ones that you can even – it's rare if you can even get someone. Receiver-wise, there's plenty. There's Amendola against Chicago. There's Crowder against the Giants. Crowder continues to be a very, very solid play. He averaged 11 points per game, but it's a little misleading because uh, he did have a 15-point game against Dallas, 23 last week against Miami, 23 against Buffalo week one. So with Darnold, he's, you know – Almost a low-end wide receiver, too. He's got to be top 25 with Darnold in those 
in those games. He's had a few other games where he did not with Darnold break that much, but that's because their team was just a nightmare. Who else is up there? Like I said, Amendola. Corey Davis had that one really good game, and since then he's combined for 10 points in the last two games. Ugh, what a stinker. Is even Tannehill. Tannehill even had a great game last week against Carolina. Corey Davis, you got to wonder, he's got the talent. He's put some big games together, but it's is it the offense? Because now you got a passing quarterback with Tannehill who's not afraid to throw it. And with the exception of one game against the Chargers, the at home against Tampa Bay, we saw what Seattle did to Tampa Bay. We saw what the Niners did in the the, the well. The Niners were Week One. That was more of a defensive win for the Niners. Um, well, what what the Rams did against Tampa Bay and vice versa. But the point is, they are such a bad passing defense, a good running one, but a bad passing defense that it's incredibly shocking that against Tampa Bay he only had two catches for nine yards. So does anyone want to take a chance on him? On maybe A.J. Brown, who's actually done better. He's had 13, 9, and 12. So he's averaging over 10 points a game with Tannehill. There's other receivers on there. Josh Reynolds, is he worth the flyer? You know, if with Cooks remaining out. Was that just because the way the game flew, uh, Josh Reynolds filled in for Cooks? And now that uh, they have a game plan where they believe Cooks could be gone, they'll go into it with maybe feeding Robert Woods more of the balls? I don't know. I don't know what that Rams attack. Who knows what to expect. But I'm just trying to find guys down here who might be taken. Um, as far as tight ends, eh. Jared Cook, I mean, I know he was owned for a while. He hasn't. He had back-to-back good games against Tampa and Jacksonville, and then he got hurt coming out of the bye. Could he, he could be someone if you're desperate. He's not a bad tight end to pick up and hope does well. And quarterbacks, anyone who's looking to stream quarterbacks, are you going to play Ryan Finley? Ryan Finley. I'm not even going to say who he plays for. If anyone can actually text me, Jake, Jacob had a good idea. He said, hey, you know what? I should have, when I asked that question yesterday about who's the team that gave up the most points throughout the season and has had that several times, almost like the Raiders are the most penalized team, uh, and it was Eric. He's like, you know, you should have had it where I ended the show with the text and text me if you know who it is. Now, anyone can look it up, just like anyone can look this up. But if you would ask me, who is Ryan Finley? I would have, I would have had no clue who Ryan Finley is. But are you going to pick up Finley? I very much doubt it. Tannehill against Kansas City. That's, that's tempting if you're looking to stream a quarterback. Someone might have already got him if they're in need. Tannehill, since he's come in... He's had 27, 21, and 32, so including 300-yard games twice. And now he's playing a Kansas City team that as long as they – if Mahomes, especially if Mahomes comes back and they get a lead, can Tannehill duplicate that again and come up with a 25 to 30-point game? you got Fitzpatrick, Carr on Thursday night against the Chargers. I don't think the Chargers are going to do to the Raiders what they did to the Packers. I think that was just a freak game. So those are the waiver wire guys. You know, anything else on – Defense. I'm not going to cover anything on defense and defensive players, but we went over some of the receivers, quarterbacks, defenses, and, of course, the all-important Ryan Finley, if you know who that is. I only know because it's in my face, but if you didn't look it up, honestly, let me know if you know who he is. So I'm really excited for the next two shows, not today's. Today's show, it's exciting. We're going over the games, and if you got a, picked up a W, you always love to listen when they talk about your team. If you picked up the loss, sometimes you're just like, oh, man. you know. But maybe it's good to hear 
hear what was good and what was bad still. Either way, it helps you reflect on maybe a decision you might have made wrong and it'll help you for the next game or who knows. Maybe you'll hear uh, someone who had a really good game and it's in a matchup against a team that your best guy's playing this week or one of your backups is playing and you go, hmm, that might cause your brain to trigger. Maybe you should play that guy. So it's still good to go over the reviews. But tomorrow, I mean, the matchup show for both these, I'm going to see, I'll probably get three in tomorrow and three in on Friday. That way I can spend more time breaking down each matchup. But I'm going so deep into these matchups, guys. These, I didn't really look at the schedule. I I just knew personally that I was playing Brian, which is in itself a little bit of a uh, heated rivalry. It goes it goes back a ways. We met in the, the UC3 championship. And since then, you know, it's gone on. I'm, I'm not going to start unloading everything. I'm going to save it for the show. But, uh, yeah, there's so much stuff on every matchup. There's probably only one matchup that it's like, hmm, you know, it's, it's still they're playing for a purpose. They're playing for it. But the old rivalry blood that is running through everyone else's veins is not in that as opposed to all the other games. And if you think that that I'm talking about your team, because you think, oh, well, I'm going against this guy. I'm going against so-and-so. This ain't a rivalry. I know if you look on the the matchups, there's one that screams if you've been diehard following our league all these years, not just being in it, but actually paying attention to our shows, paying attention. Remember our old videos? We used to even bring you guys on and interview you. I've actually thought of that if I should have someone come on the podcast because the podcast allows me to bring in calls and other people to join the podcast. Um, if anyone wanted to ever join, maybe give another insight. Um Talk about their matchup coming up. I don't know. If you guys would like that, you can let me know. But I don't want to force it. Um, but yeah, remember we used to talk and there there was one rivalry that I was so excited to see. And it's coming up this week. And But there's a lot of, of uh, blood running through these, these matchups that is bad. And before you say, oh, the one game that Danny's talking about probably isn't, that's mine. Well, there's six games. So five of you it is. So somebody, somebody is... Uh, Got some bad blood with a lot of us, and I have all the dirt, and I'm going to stir it up, and I'm going to talk about all of it in our preview show to hype up the matchups as we get to our final game of the season in non-division play. Before we jump back in division, we have several division races, all three of them actually, all within, I think Austin is in two games. I covered that last night. He might be three, but I thought he was, he could be, let me see, he's six and three, eight and one. Yeah, two games, two games, Christian's in within two games, and... Steve and Eric are within one, and Matt is tied for first with Brian. So a lot of action, a lot of excitement coming down here towards the end as we enter the last three weeks. But before we get to any of that, we have to go over our weekly review. And I'm just going to start from the bottom and work my way up. Going with the first game is, oh, you didn't see that coming, which is, of course, Jacob. Changed his name because Dino Dan was you know, having a little prediction. Felt like he was going to shock the world. And you gotta wonder, mm, a team that put up 200 points last week. If you'd have told me coming into this game that Jacob was only gonna score 126, and I had 100, dollars I would put all 100 that Dino Dan would have won. I would. If you'd have said, hey, hey man, I just came from the future two days ago. Oh really? Oh, who wins between? Yeah, like that would be the first thing I ask if I came, someone came from the future. Hey, tell me who won the Jacob Dino Dan game. I gotta know, dude. I gotta know. I'm putting 100 on it. Um, I'm sure there'd be a thousand other things I'd ask, but the thing is, I if you told me, hey, I know who won the game, you said I can only tell you one thing from the future. I could tell you who won the Dino Dan game and Jacob, and or I could tell you the score of one of the teams. And I said, okay, I don't care about Dino Dan. I know he'll break 120, 150. He'll go somewhere in that range. 
what does Jacob do? And you would have said, hey, he's going to score 126.3. I would have said, oh, dang, dude, Dino Dan is going to pull a huge upset and, you know, get a couple big wins in a row, and he's going to shock the league. And his team only scored 101 points, 101 Dalmatians. You know, that's not the score you want when it comes to a game like this because I think we've only had like one guy, maybe two, all season score under 100 points. So your odds are very, very stacked against you when you score 101 Dalmatians. Let's get to the top thing right now. As as I try to cover Danny's Danny's uh, theory, Danny's rule, let's see if it applies. As Jacob has 43, 53, 58. So he only had 58 between his quarterback and two running backs. But Dino Dan only had 29. 29, that is so hard to get the – you better have a game like um, Matt – who had Evans go off for 47 or Jose with Tyler Lockett going off for, I think 43 or 46. You have to have a, a big, like Dino Dan has had Aaron Jones, you know, 53 points a couple weeks back. You have to have a, a game like that to survive only getting 29 points between your quarterback and two running backs. Marlon Mack, he didn't have a great game at all against Pittsburgh, which was disappointing. He did put up some pretty solid yards 89. I can't remember if he had a fumble or not. No catches. He's not much of a receiver. Season high is three. So that's not it. But if he could have sprinkled in a touchdown or had 11 more yards, he would have got 15 points. That would have been huge. Aaron Jones, four points. How on earth did he get to that? And the Chargers, if you watch the Chargers, Derrick Henry had 90 yards and a touchdown. Um, Who else was it the week before? The Chargers had like three straight games where the running backs had really did a number to them. And, oh, the, the Broncos, I think Lindsey ran all over them. So it was such a huge disappointment to see Aaron Jones come out. 13 carries last week for 67 yards and a boatload seven catches for 150. This week he had one catch for minus one yard. That's not how you win games, Green Bay. That's how you go in there. You can't tell me that they were shadowing him the whole game. Maybe they did. I didn't watch much of the game. I was watching uh, the, the Raider game mostly. And then checking on my phone the Seahawk and Bucks game because I had a lot riding on that with me and Jose. And yeah, he he eight carries, thirty yards, but he's never been. He's only had two hundred yard games rushing. His big thing is give him touchdowns, like when he had four in one game, or give him the receptions. Seven catches for seventy five yards against Dallas. Four for thirty four against Minnesota. Seven for 159. Those are the games where he's broke over 20 points with 29, 53. So he had a huge letdown. That kills you. That kills you when, you know, the guy who's your ace, that is your ace right there. And his running backs combined didn't even outdo Cook. And like I said, Cook, he had a pretty good game. 15, that's okay. Nothing nothing bad. When you eat, when your top running back, you know, is one of the tops in the league, he's number two and he gets 25 points per game. You can survive with a 15-point game as long as you get some some action somewhere else. And Jacob got it. And the player named De- Devin Singletary that people kind of were like, oh, man, you just gave it away, Jacob. You just gave away Darren Waller, this top tight end, you know, for this running back that really, you know, it has to split in a timeshare. No, he's not going to be in a timeshare. I'm assuming Jacob knows the same thing that I did is that – and Brian I knew knew it because as soon as I picked him up, right after – right before the season started when uh, LaShawn McCoy got cut, I saw the – I happened to just be awake. You know, I it, normally I wouldn't have got him. I think Brian would have got him because he texted me just a few minutes after. But I was awake to feed the cats in the morning. I didn't have to work that day. I got up at like 6 in the morning to feed the cats, and I saw an update saying LaShawn McCoy got l- released. 
And I was like, oh my goodness, get Singletary, not Frank Gore. Gore is just a guy who's going to help out and do what he does. But Singletary has, was so good in preseason and he was hyped up a little in fantasy world because he's so electric. He's a smaller guy, but he's very electric and he could, he could get the job done. And his first two weeks, he got 14 and 11 points. He had 70 yards on four carries against the Jets. And the thing was, they thought he wouldn't be involved in the passing game. Yet that first game, he had five catches for 28. So he came out of the gate looking really good. He was like, okay, that's a running back you want on your bench. And that was just week one. He suffered the injury week three, and that's what sucked. That's what really sucked because as the season's gone on, he would have already been at that top level. I mean, I think if, if, if he had been playing the whole season, I think Jacobs could have to give me more than Darren Waller. He might have said Darren Waller and a, a, a draft pick next year because even with a hurt tight end, I would not give up a running back to me is more important than a tight end because a lot of people, no one with running backs, everyone has at least one solid running back. Some teams have crap tight ends. You know, they might go get four points that week. You could survive with that. But you can't be having you running backs that can get you anywhere from 15 to 25 points a game which Singletary can do. Let's see what he's averaging on the season. 12 points per game, 12.6, almost 13. And he had 22 last week. Could have had even more if he just had five more yards. But they gave him 20 carries. It wasn't six yards for 90 yards or something like that. It was 20 carries, and that's what he's going to be. Three catches, 45 yards. He's very electric. I think at the end of the season, people will start going, hmm, that's a great steal, Jacob. And I even text Jacob. I said, you know what? This is tough. In the long run, I think you're going to get the better player at that present time, and Waller had a great game against Green Bay, over 30 points, so it looked like I got to steal the, the trade. But in the long run, with a contract league, Singletary could be someone who can make some noise on a team that has a good defense and likes to run. That's what you want, and I think Jacob uh, got a really good player there. So running backs, he dominated that. Wide receiver, Galladay had the best out of all of them. We talked about how Chark had a, a, a good matchup. John Brown against Washington had a good matchup. But I did say in our show, Galladay, I think, would have the best matchup out of all the receivers. And he did the best performance, 28. So his receivers, he pretty much doubled up and slaughtered Jacobs' receivers. Tight end, Henry and Fells. Fells only had one catch, but it was a touchdown. So you'll take it. I'll take a seven point. Heck, I had Waller. He only had seven points. So you'll take, for a tight end position, you'll get that. Henry got 15. This is when it starts to hurt is you start to see Sutton with the flex beat Hardman by seven it starts to add up you know when the tight end doubles up and beats you by seven then the flex beats you by seven and the running back slaughter you know slaughter you one running back out duels both that's what killed Dino Dan Keekly he tried you know Keekly this would have been a big week for Keekly to come up with 30 points you know that's the situation you're looking for last week 30 points week two against Tampa Bay 37 if he could have had one of those games that would have been something where Dino Dan, if he had a 30-point game, Dino Dan wins this. Now, he didn't. Now, maybe not necessarily, because if you had 30 points to that right now, you it's not 30 on top of the 12. It would still only be, what, 20, 28, yeah. Oh, no, not 28, 18. So 18, he would still end up losing to Jacob. But that, you know, that's what you need, things like that. Green Bay, it was a great play in theory. It was a smart move. Play him against the Chargers. The Packers have had some good games. Problem is Packers since week after week three when they got twenty six against Denver, they've been mostly miss. You know, mostly miss. They've had some tough matchups, but they usually had a very good secondary to start the year, and now it's not looking as great. But the defense is what killed Dino Dan. Um, one twenty six to one hundred one. You look at the bench, Montgomery and the Ravens D are the only things that really stood out. And this was a week to beat Jacob, man. Ten points. 
10 points for his defense for the Patriots. And no one, we were not able to take advantage. The league was not able to take advantage of it. Good try, Dino Dan. Tough loss. You got a rebound next week. You're still in it. Still in playoff contention. Big win for Jacob to move on to 8-1 and one as he leads the league and wins. First to eight wins. Next game up, we have Christian and the full-blown Seagulls against Oh, You Forgot About Me. Just so similar to, to, to Jacob's Oh, You Didn't See That Coming. Oh, You Forgot About Me. But this is one where... A month ago, we would have said, oh, yeah, Brian, this will be a victory for Brian. You know, Christian's 0-4. Excuse me for a second. Christian's 0-4. We know where Danny keeps trying to say, hey, you know what, he can come back, get some wins. We've seen 0-4 teams do it. Well, the last team that was 0-4 to go on to make the playoffs was the guy Christian's playing, Brian. So Brian knows what it's all about, how to do it. And Christian has done that. You know, his team has rallied. And a 171 to 132 win over a first place division team is very impressive. Look at the quarterbacks. Matt Moore, 17, not great, but you didn't need it. And sometimes you just need someone to fill in the gap while Matt Ryan's on a bye week and hopefully resting, recovering from his injury. While Brian Allen, pretty solid game, 19 points, you know, both of them. But this is a game where, uh, with the way the rest of the offense went for Christian. Brian needed a big 35 points, some kind of giant boost out of his quarterback. Lindsey, he didn't do well last week. He did good this week. Or wait, I don't want to sound stupid. Did he do? I know he had a bad game. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. He had 11 points last week. That's not great. But anytime you get double digits, that's okay. You can survive on that. But it was against KC. He only had four points. That was that Thursday night game. That's right. Where it was like, man, he was getting hyped up. Everyone was saying, you know, NFL Network, start of the week. It was Lindsey because Casey's defense was so bad, the rush defense. But Lindsey, back to respectable 25 points, 13 for Sanders. So, you know, coming into this game, Lindsey and Sanders, I would have taken them. If you'd have told me that they both got 15 and 13, I would have said, okay, I think Brian's going to win the running back battle. Melvin Gordon has been awful. Carlos Hyde against the Jags, it just didn't make sense. You know, he's had one good game all year. At Kansas City, and that's what we talked about. The Chiefs, you know, their run defense was pitiful. He's back to back weeks. He had eight and or three and eight points, eight against the Raiders, and that's eighty three yards. We had one hundred and sixty against Jacksonville. Ran all over him in that London game. Those London games are so hard to predict. So that's it right there, man. I mean, you, you, winning the running back battle that big with the, both quarterbacks basically being a push—that's a huge um, lead. For Christian to, to try to hold on and hope that his flex does nothing, hope that his receivers, because Beckham hadn't done much. If you see those and you're Christian, let's see if, no, neither of these guys reach uh, Danny's Law or 75 points between your two running backs. Quarterback gets a win. Let's get to the big part of the game. It was the receivers as Odell Beckham and Gallup combined for 24 points, while Hopkins and Hill got nearly 50 points. I believe it was 48. I could be off by a bit. I'm just uh, checking real quick, uh, guessing. But nearly 50 points. So he wins the running back battle. He wins the receiver battle. And the quarterback's a push. It's over unless his defense just annihilates him. Like if the Vikings went off for 50, like the Patriots had so often. Because Wagner had a good game with 21. McLaurin outdueled Diggs. That was a shock. 7-2. to two. Kelsey doubled up Goddard. Goddard. No touchdown this week. I think, you know, of all weeks, Zach Ertz decided, after I dogged him last week and said, you know, Zach, ball crap. He's done nothing. Zach Zach Morris is trash. Zach Goddard, or Zach, 
Ertz. I keep forgetting his name. Now I'm all messing up. He was trash. He actually came out, so Goddard lost some of his receptions. Still seven points. You know, we talked about it. Dino Dan, myself, Christian, you'll take seven points. And Christian did, and he got enough to win with a big 171 to 132 victory. Even though a very strong performance by Brian's defense and defensive player, Xavier Woods, Christian, two weeks in a row, taking the safety, and both of them coming up to get double digit points. Woods had the interception. And Pittsburgh's defense, 34 points against the Colts. That was amazing. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, you want to wonder if Christian maybe thought, hey, maybe I should have held on to him. 90, I think it was 98-yard interception return for a touchdown to really change the whole perspective of that game. That could have got out of hand for the Colts and Steelers. But big victory for Christian, who is now the longest winning streak in our league, active at this present time at a five-game winning streak. And he is right back, man. He is back. He made a great trade today, getting Austin Hooper, as we talked about, looking at his roster with the new offense coordinator, you don't want to jump the gun. The Packers have been bad against the run. You know, they have been bad. So you can't say, oh, Melvin Gordon's back. Let's celebrate. Crack open the champagne. But I do think Melvin Gordon going against the Raiders, the Raiders did shut down Hyde, who we saw just ran all over Jacksonville. So we'll see on the short week, is Melvin Gordon truly back? If he gets two games of 20 points or more in a row, he probably is. And that's dangerous for the rest of the league because that means Christian's got what he needed last year entering the playoffs and he didn't have because of the injury to Gordon. And that is he's got an elite, very uh, top running back with his three-headed monster of Hopkins, Hill, and Diggs. And now you throw in Austin Hooper, who is the probably the most productive tight end, who can be a great stack. So if Matt Ryan and Hooper hook up and they have a really big game, which they've done several times this year, Christian's team, man, I'm not going to – you can't you can't sell him out even if even if he whether he wins the division or not two games back with four to go and three division games left even if he does not win the division game you gotta be nobody's gonna want to play that team in the playoffs no one's gonna want to play Christian I know he's been pushing for this and he started out so bad and now to come all the way back he's like Lazarus that should be your new new team name maybe for a week Lazarus because Christian is definitely back and very dangerous tough loss for Brian we saw Brian mention you know. He's uh, selling. I mentioned in the group text that I am putting an offer in for a player. I will not name who. Will it get done? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, who knows? But I am putting it in. I, I'm waiting because I did this when I made the trade with Elijah. I waited a whole week after Elijah said he was trading, feeling, feeding off, feeling. What's that? What is the what is it that you want? I want to say fielding. There we go. I kept saying feeling. You're not feeling offers. <laughs> Fielding offers, and only one came to him all week, and it was for Beckham, Odell Beckham. This was several years back, and he wanted a first-round pick, and no one would do it. The guy wouldn't do it. So uh, I ended up saying, okay, I'll make the move, and so I let everyone know. Because, you know, I don't like to jump in and make a move, and then everyone go, oh, man. You know, I, I wish I had a chance. Or, dude, he he reacted so quick, you know. And sometimes you got to jump on it. I know last year when uh, Dino Dan made the Zeke trade, it was me and another guy competing, and Dino Dan he played it great. You know he it was it was back and forth, and he was deciding what to do, and we were both competing against each other, me and this other guy trying to get him, and he drove up the price, and he made a great deal for himself, and his team's looking good this year, and uh, I was happy to have Zeke, you know, pair him with Barkley, and it cost me three draft picks, including a first and third. And it was worth it to me, you know, like we said in the draft this year, was it worth it? You know, it sucked waiting around, not getting picks, but um, it was worth it because it, it all worked out in the end. And so, you know, I didn't really want to make any trades this year, but if if 
I hear someone say, hey, I'm selling, and it's if the price is right and he's willing to do it, I'll do it, so I'll jump on it. If, if you don't see a deal done by tomorrow, uh, by Thursday morning, then it probably won't happen, Then it's probably not happening, or someone else made a deal, uh, a better deal, and uh, Brian is wisely shopping it around like Dino did. I think that's the smartest move to do. I think it's kind of foolish at times to just take an offer and run with it and, and just take the first offer that comes. Unless it's specifically a guy that, you know, you both agreed upon. You know, like like with Austin, Austin Hooper, like a move like that. If someone came and approached you and you're not selling. Eric's totally still in it. He's not giving up. He's got, I forgot all about Njoku coming back. And so I think that's a great move for him because he's still got a tight end. And he's still got um, Njoku coming back as well. That's a joke. Hopefully you get what I meant, tight end and Njoku coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got, so yeah, I totally forgot about that. So, um, and then that's great for Christian. His team is so dangerous now. So when one guy makes a move, it's usually a snowball. Um, if I don't make a move, don't be shocked if someone else does, because there is really a handful of teams that can win it this year. You just saw how it took, now it took, now only scored 141 points this week. That's not very much, but that's usually enough to get a win in this league. I would have beat five other teams this week. That means basically uh, not counting yourself. That's almost about half the league. So 140 can usually win a game. Um, Jose's broken 140 several times and lost. And so he easily could have won more games and be right up there. His team is really good. But did you see what happened? That could have been a playoff game. Me and him could have met in the playoffs right now. And he had a, a Russell Wilson stack with with um, Tyler Lockett. for They combined for over 90 points. Do you know how hard that is to beat a team when they two guys combine for 90? That is extremely hard. Because that means he has seven other guys that all they got to do is get 10 each. And he's got a hundred and what was that? What is that? One hundred sixty points right there, and that's just with everyone else just getting ten, which hardly ever happens. People normally get more than that. So he, it, that's why I'm like with Christian's team, he's dangerous. Dino Dan, Eric, everyone is still in it. Can if you get in it, if you make a move, if you if you feel you got it, make that move. If you gotta find a seller. So, anyways, I'm getting way off. So Brian, whether or not he sells, maybe he changes his mind and thinks, you know what, I have a shot to win this division. And he goes, you know what? I think I can get to the second round because you only want to be a seller if you feel like you're not like Dino Dan. Had you said it, I, I apologize, Dino Dan. I did say I would say this in public on uh, on our podcast, but it was when you said it. I remember you said that to me um, a couple of years ago when uh, Deshaun Watson, his rookie year, I had him. I had Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller. Uh, I think who else? I had I had several good players. I was um, first in scoring at that point. Like it was like week eight or something in the in our season. I was like first in scoring, um, second in wins. I was right there in contention. And then remember in a, a practice during the week, Deshaun Watson tore his ACL just in practice, not even a game. And I remember I was so bummed. And I was like, dude, I just lost one of the most electric quarterbacks. Him and Will Fuller were getting me like literally like uh, 55 to 60 points per game. Not not just one week like we saw with Lockett. It was like with, with Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson – each of them were one would get 30, one would get 25. Then they both get 30 the next game. It was insane. And so you're getting that many points with two guys. I felt like, man, I can be in any game when these guys are playing together. And I was winning most of them. And when he went down, I was so crushed because you didn't just lose a quarterback, you lost Will Fuller as well. So you didn't just, it's not, Will Fuller is not, um, you know, Odell Bet. Well, I can't even say that anymore. He's not quarterback proof. He is not, Will Fuller is not Michael Thomas who can be, go out there and do it with any quarterback. He is not uh, Tyreek Hill, who's going out there and doing it with any quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins has done it with any quarterback. He is not that guy. So when you lose 
the guy that loves to throw to just him and is very good at it, that was crushing. So, you know, sometimes, and then Dino Dan, when I said, hey, I go, anyone who on my roster is up for trade, you were the first one to say, dude, you're first place in your division and, you know, you're, you're second overall. How could you pull the ripcord? How could you bail now? And it's hard to tell your demeanor when you send it in text. Um, but I just felt like, you know what? Uh, I didn't, at that point, I didn't believe, if you, if you are at a point where you don't believe you're going to win, why even bother? Even if, like, Brian might look at it and go, hey, you know what? I can win this division. But maybe he thinks, I have no shot against Jacob and Austin. You know, they're doing so well. Or uh, Christian, look at, Christian's on a huge roll. If I meet with him in the playoffs again, I'm done. So why even bother? You know, I've had seasons like that where I know I'm going to make the playoffs and you're just like, uh, I d- unless you get incredibly lucky, which is possible, but then you're going to have to do it three times because you're probably going to play in the first round. And that's very, very, very hard to do. So that's why I think maybe Brian felt that way. Um, and I apologize. Yeah, you didn't mean it that way. You were just saying, hey, like you said, you want to get on the action. If he's going to do that, hey, you know, fine. Let him know who's available. Just start asking, Dino. And if you find a player on his roster you want, see what he wants to do for it. But uh, yeah, that's why with that, I would take any trade right now. If somebody, other than like I mentioned, I would, someone came at me. I tried to trade Zeke. At the beginning, before the draft, I offered him to uh, someone, and I'm not going to say names, but the person thought about it and say, nah, you know, I was trying to get future picks, not even this year, for the following seasons. So I was just like, because sometimes you just like, you like, I was thinking, you know, I've got Zeke, he's good, he'll be great. Um, I I don't know. I was planning for the future. Like I said, sometimes you want to plan. I don't know. It's just me. I guess because I've won before. If you've won it, and I've won it several times, you look at it where it's like, I honestly, I want to go out. I want to try my hardest. If I win, cool. But honestly, there's a handful of guys in this league that I really hope wins it. First of all, anyone that has not won it is number one on my list. And then I'll go up for guys who I think are putting really hard effort in it, and they really want to win it bad, and I really pull for you guys. So it's not like I'm intentionally, I'm I'm doing everything I can. I got a, a, a roster out there. I'm winning. But, you know, I do hope that the commissioner in me hopes that I don't win. So I figure if I'm not going to win or if I'm pulling against myself, I might as well plan for the future because then maybe, you know, I I get some picks in the future, future draft, uh, build another team, you know, free up some more contracts and build that team. And then, you know, after a few seasons, get it, go another run at it. Who knows? That's just me. You know, like I said, uh, it's different if you haven't won it or if you've only won once or whatever the case may be. But Cindy, you know, she talks to me about it and she's right. It's nobody wants to see the same guy win all the time. But if I do win, you know, that's that's fantasy football. I guess you get lucky, you build the right team and get lucky and I might never win it again, so maybe I should take advantage of it because uh I I can go the next 10 years and not win again. But that's why sometimes Dino Daniel see see the trades. That's what I was just talking about. Like you might feel like I I I know I can make the playoffs, but I'm not going to win unless I get three lucky games in a row. So forget it. I'm just going to pull the ripcord now and build for the future when you have another chance. So anyways, now that I went way, way off topic, and I do not want to do that, uh, Christian with a big one over Brian. We'll see if Brian makes any moves or if he holds Pat or maybe you grab someone off the waiver wire and he uh, wins, gets a big win over me this week. You know, Then he's right back in it and he just beat a top team and he – Anyways, let's go to the next game. Next game is Elijah against Eric. 
I won't spend too much time on this because, like I said, Elijah doesn't listen. And I know Eric has listened. I don't know if he does frequently, but he does not want to go over his team getting uh, doubled up by Elijah. This is another one where you saw Dino, Dan, and Eric just on top of the world with two incredible games to where you were disappointed to see one of them have to lose. And now Eric is, I mean, he picked a perfect week to stink. You know, Aaron Rodgers, 14 points. Coleman, only five. And it it looked it looked pretty bad on that that game against the Cardinals. Thursday night, it started terrible. Niners, he only got 12. You thought for sure they would do better than that against such a young team that that just uh, times doesn't doesn't move the ball. They do a lot of plays, but they don't go deep very often. And they got that lucky touchdown to Isabel. I think if you take that off, I don't know what the Niners would have been at. But Edmonds, 10 points. The Bears, the Bears and Niners are what killed Eric. Because Coleman and the Niners D got hardly anything. Cohen got five, and Allen Robinson got one. So, I mean, he could t- you could survive one point for Robinson. But the thing is, Robinson's been one of his best players. Juju, you would have liked to see more than four against the Colts. I mean, Eric's best player was Howard for the week with 15. And he had a good game against the Bears. So it was too tough. Elijah with Winston. We keep talking about Winston as being very elite quarterback this year. He's a top 10, eighth overall. And we, I did mention in the video that he's playing White and Burkhead. And the, the good thing with that is, remember we thought maybe Eric's running backs might combine for 30, maybe 40. Coleman and Howard could both have you know 15 to 20 point games. And Elijah just probably needs to get about 20 points from his running backs to stay close. And they got 18. The good news is for Elijah is that Eric's running backs combined for 20. So that was a push. But by playing both, you know, if he just played Burkhead and someone else, by playing both White and Burkhead, he had a really good chance of capturing the top running back for the Patriots that week, and he did. So that was a smart move by Elijah. Receivers, Keenan Allen, I thought he would have a great day against the Packers. He continues to fall and just surprisingly suck. I don't get it. Juju, um, I thought he would continue to be on the hot streak after he had a really good game two weeks ago. Allen Robinson, we talked about one point. And Marvin Jones Jr., Mr. Uh, week in, week out. You know, one week he's in, next week he's out. And uh, week one, nine, then 10, then 27, really good game against Philly, then 10 against KC, then the bye week and it resets, three against Green Bay, 43 against Minnesota, only seven against Giants. Against the Giants and Packers and Chiefs, I would have figured those would be the games that he went off. And then he goes off against Oakland for 8 for 126, 31 points. Yeah, it's just really tough as you go over these. Devontae Parker, 15 points. Zach Ertz, 30. Like I said, let's look at Ertz. I don't even know if he's reached 30 combined over the last three games. His last three games were 7, 5, and 4. So you combine from week 5 to week 8. 4, 5, 7, and 16. That's 30 points right there basically combined. Nearly, he did nearly in one game against the Bears what he did the last entire month. And so that was, that's why I was like, man, the guy hadn't even broke 20 all year. And just typical in Eric fashion, you know, brings out the best in everybody. Now, Elijah did not, his highest is not 150 for the season. I think he broke 180 or he could have had a 200 point game, but still 152 to 77. This is one of those games, Eric, like I said, where you you look at it. Kind of like me with Jose, you know, I got 141, but I didn't really, I didn't have a chance. You know, I could have played other guys on my bench and it still would have made a difference. I, I just me personally, I prefer those losses more than it had you scored 77 and Elijah scored 104. 
then you'd be like, dude, guys, really? I couldn't score 105 points. Those are the losses that just kill. Uh, your team was not good this week. Uh, didn't they? Didn't nobody performed for you, which really sucks. So you can hang your hat on it being a bad week, because we know you're not a 77 point a week guy. You average about 135 to 145 or so, somewhere in that range. So you just chalk it up to a bad week, and you're right back to it next week. Just like how you really aren't a 200 point a game a game uh, team as well, and you had that last week. So you went from the ultimate high to the ultimate low, and uh, lost both. That's the disappointing thing. You know, you would have loved to have had the ideal thing would have been have 77 points last week against Dino Dan and the game wouldn't have been as exciting, but you would have been like, hey, I lost no matter what. Who cares? I'm not going to score 216 and then get 212 and annihilate Elijah this week. But it didn't work out. That's fantasy sports. As you and Nick both said, you hate fantasy football. But a very big win for Elijah to save his season. You know, that's a reoccurring theme we have other than the game we'll get to next um, is that the people who only had two wins – uh, picked up their third win to try to save their season. Elijah, he's in a tougher division. He's going to have to win the wild card and win out. Um, while the other team we'll get to now is Nick against Matt. And Nick, he's not winning the division. He's too far out. He has to win. I don't know if he can win out and make. He, the only shot he has is he has to win and have several guys lose because he the best he can finish is six and seven. And I don't think since we've gone to twelve teams. No, I think we did. I think that we've only had, even in 12-team league, I think we've only had one team ever. Can anyone guess? If you listen to me enough, you'll know. We've only had one team ever with a losing record in the playoffs, I think, with a 12-team. No, you know what? I don't think we did then either. No, I think the only time we had a team with a losing record was with 10 teams or 6. I know with 6 we did. It's obvious with 6. You're going to have somebody with a losing record in. But I'm trying to remember, there's one guy, but he, I think he had seven wins. Anyways, let's get back to the, the review. What is the time on this video? And I started earlier so I can get to bed. And this is, uh, once again, I'm overdoing it. So the brotherly love, the brother rivalry, it's renewed. And of course, it is a very good game. Uh, Matt winning by nine with a 165 to 156 victory over Nick. Uh, Nick needed this. Matt as well needed it because Matt Either way, would still have three wins, just like Nick, and he would still be in contention to make the wild card. But now, with that victory, he's tied for first and still has a chance to win that division with a 165 win. Minshew, only 17. Minshew's kind of playing like crap. And Stafford, 39, over more than doubles him up. Has a big game against the Raiders for 400 points. Sony Michelle disappears, man. He has been so inconsistent. If he's not getting touchdowns, he is complete garbage. He is so touchdown dependent. Look at the games when he gets a touchdown, 12 points. Another one with a touchdown, 21. Another one with a touchdown, three of them exactly. He had 23. Most guys that get three touchdowns come out with at least a 30-point game. He had 23. Look at the games without a touchdown, 1, 6, 3, 7. It, terrible, terrible. His average is awful. He's not a receiving back, so he's very touchdown dependent. He hurt Nick big time. If he gives him any kind of a game, uh, Nick possibly beats Matt, but he didn't. But Damian Williams gave him a game, and I was only almost questioning in my mind, like, why are you playing Damian Williams? You know, Vikings, good defense. He did gain his spot, spot back because McCoy fumbled last week. So Damian Williams came out with a 25-point game. Jamal Williams, 16. He was the one 
bright spot for the Packers in that game against the Chargers. I didn't see the dance, but I heard Jamal Williams score a dance and was like all elaborate. Looked like he'd been planning it in front of a mirror. Dan Patrick was saying, and I guess they were saying, you know what? They wouldn't have minded if Aaron Rodgers walked up and slapped him because they were saying, dude, you're down 19 nothing, and the game's over basically, out of reach. And here you get you score a touchdown and act like a moron doing some dance. And the Danettes are like, hey, dude, but if you've been practicing all week, when you score, your mind just clicks to, all right, let's do what I've been waiting for. But yeah, save the dance. Maybe there's a better time to do it. But Josh Jacobs continues to be a beast, an absolute beast. He is a top 10 running back. He is number nine overall. He's an RB1. Not too many times with a keeper league are you going to find an RB1 in the first round. Now, I don't know every running back taken in the first round, but I know two of them who are. Derrick Henry's top 12. He's an RB1, and he's on Steve's team. And Josh Jacobs is a, was the first overall pick, and he's number nine. And he had another big game, 29 points against the Lions, two touchdowns, well on his way to possibly rookie of the year in the AFC, um, averaging 17 points per game. He's been huge in helping. Whenever he has big games, Matt usually wins, and that's been a big key for Matt's victories. And so it shows, man, that was a smart first pick. There was potentially talk of maybe Julian Edelman being first overall. Jose took him second. Uh, Damian Williams could have been a top pick um, at the time. You know, looked like he'd be the Chiefs guy. But uh, Jacobs, great, great pick by Matt. Might help save his season. Mike Evans, though, he's been saving Matt's season. After struggling and uh, the first few weeks not doing much, he is rallied now with 21, 47, and 42 points. In those three games, Matt has won two of them, and Mike Evans is the reason why. He has been his MVP. He makes up for the fact that Williams for Oakland only had seven, so combined them, they almost had 50 points. Nick had a great game by Sanders on that Thursday night game, but Thielen got hurt. That zero is killing him. If Thielen finishes that game, we don't know, but against that Kansas City D, if Thielen gets a 17-point game, a 12-point game, if he just gets his average, 13.9, he beats he beats Matt. So very tough. You hate the losses. When you get a zero, you can sometimes overcome it still. Other people have had one or zero and still overcome it. But when Sony Michelle drops a three and Hawkinson just gets an eight, which is still good for a tight end. We just covered how multiple teams have had seven-point tight ends and still pulled away with a win. But Hawkinson, eight, it's too much for Nick. Uh, Ingram only had 10. You expected more from someone like him in that matchup in primetime. Both defenses good. Bush with 15. Martinez with 17. 23 for the Titans, and Philly with 18. So big win for Matt. He's got bragging rights uh, probably for another year because I don't believe they will meet in the playoffs. And, yeah, that's it. On the bench, Nick had Samuel. He didn't have it. And then Drake. Drake, that's the killer. You know, you got to wonder, should you play Drake? But see, here's the whole deal. If I'd have looked at Nick's team and you'd have told me going on that week, you would have said Drake against that Niner team? I don't think so, but I might have played him over Damian Williams just in the fact that I don't trust Andy Reid. I would think you know that it's still LaShawn McCoy. He's going to split carries with him. I didn't think Damian Williams would have that big 90-plus yard touchdown run, but I would have played Drake over him, but I still would have lost. Even if you'd played Drake over Damian Williams, that's only eight points. Nick lost by nine, so it would have been a much closer game, and you would hope for a stat correction by Thursday if you're Nick to pull out the win, but either way, he would have lost because you're not going to bench Lev Bell and Sonny Michelle on that primetime game you would have thought like I said he he does come out with touchdowns at time and Kenya Drake had a very tough matchup so big victory for Matt to salvage his season and possibly win a division 
Congratulations, Matt. All right, we'll get to the next game as we cover Hot Chub Time Machine. Let me pick this up. I'm going way too slow. And I've been going way off on nonsense people don't even care about. Well, hopefully you care about. That's why you're listening to the podcast. Um, Hot Chub Time Machine, Steve, with a 184 to 132 victory. A big upset as you look at it on paper based on record, it's an upset. But with Austin having to start Golden Tate and Randall Cobb when he didn't want to, when he's got Cup on a bye, excuse me, Connor injured and T.Y. Hilton injured. I mean, he lost three of his starters, three Four. I mean, usually it's Cup, Connor, and Hilton, and Mahomes in there. Four of them are out. One to buy and three to injuries. It's much easier to beat Austin that way. Now, Steve still had to go out and score over 132 points because Austin still put up a respectable game. 132 is still good. That is not a walkover. This is not a game where Steve scored one, you know, 20, 27 and Austin scored 110 or something like that. This is a game where he put up 184. Let's go over Jimmy G had a monster game on that Thursday night game to counter. McCaffrey had a really big game as he continues to do all year and be Austin's MVP. Uh, Sam Darnold, huge letdown, only 16 points against that crappy Dolphin defense. Derrick Henry, Steve made the trade for him, and it look at it. It's working out already. He got rid of a tight end that's not playing, and he got rid of Sterling Shepard, who still has not played concussion protocol, and he picked up a much-needed running back who – like I said, his top 12, he's the 11th overall with 15 points per game. So great move by Steve to get him back. Now look at He's got Kittle locked up, and he got Henry back. So Steve making some good moves. Looking at Kittle, 19 points. Hopefully he'll be healthy enough to play. I think he will for the Monday night game against the Seahawks. And Olsen, a seven-point. Man, these tight ends in their seven points. That's what they love to get. Seven points for Olsen. Kittle almost tripled him up. Golden Tate. 12, did out-duel. Uh, I don't know, Mike Williams had 19. Oh, that's impressive. Mike Williams finally came to play. Welcome to football. Broke 100 yards. Metcalf with that really big game. We thought that would be good. Uh, against Atlanta, I don't. he didn't have the game he should have. Uh, the week before, he had three. He did have two touchdowns, but only 13 yards. This is the game we thought he'd do against Atlanta, and he did against Tampa Bay with six catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. 31 points, career high. Very big game. Maybe that'll be his breakout game for him. Alex, so Steve got 184, and that's with his defensive player drawn a zero. That's why sometimes if your team shows up, you can survive a zero or a five or something like that. But you got to have help, and Steve got help. And Austin, it's too tough. It's too You're asking him too much to play uh, your backup quarterback, your best receiver on a bye, your second best receiver injured, and then your other running back, who's usually your flex, injured. So if this rematch in the uh, – hopefully if Steve does f- climb his way back in and make the playoffs, this would be a fun game to see a rematch with both teams being healthy. I'd be interested to see. Now, Steve did also go without Julio Jones. So he had a few of his guys missing as well. He went to play golf. He lost it. <laughs> He lost the Saints defense, who's been really well as well. So big win for Steve to save his season as he gets the three wins. Congratulations, Steve. Austin, you're still two games back, but you got four to go to try to win that division. And finally, our last game is Jose with a 181 to 141 victory over uh, my team. Russell Wilson, like I said, here's the key. Here's why he won. Russell Wilson, 47. Tyler Lockett, 46. So that's what? 
man, almost 100 points. That's amazing. Oh, wait, is it 100? No, it's not 100. I don't know, why would I think that's 100? It's, yeah, what is, it's 94, 94 points. That's so hard to overcome. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who's going to overcome that uh, unless you were Steve, who had 184. See, can you imagine that? That would have been such a tough loss if Jose had played Steve this week. And you go out there and put 181, and you have a 94-point performance from your stacked receiver-quarterback combo. And then you play a guy with a zero on the Thursday night game on defense and still comes back to beat you. But let's look at Jose's guys. Chris Carson struggled in the first half. The second half, he turned it on. He did have that fumble, but he still had 100 yards. And that's what was so impressive is that he had 100 yards on a very tough run defense with the Bucks And Adrian Peterson against Buffalo – the second half, I think he had like seven yards. He didn't do much. He lost yards so much. But that first half, he had 100 yards on 10 carries, averaging 10 yards per carry. For a whole season, there's nobody on this planet that would take Carson and Peterson, especially Adrian Peterson, over Elliott and Barkley. But for one week, I think this might be the only week this has happened, uh, with the exception of the week Barkley's injured, his running backs outdueled them both. I mean, Elliott and Peterson each equaled 18, and then Carson's three points over than Barkley. So very impressive. My team, let's see if I pulled off the rule. I did not break 75. I got in the 60s. But Jose well, well broke over 75 uh, with his quarterback and two running backs. So that did give him the team the victory. And then you throw on top of it Tyler Lockett with 46. Because his defense, his defensive player, his flex, None of them really did anything. If you look at just those three and you cut everything else off, and honestly, knowing the players that I have, I would have totally felt confident. If you just said, hey, Danny, we'll give you a 21 to 7 lead over the defense. You're going to be losing 10 to 1 over his defensive player, but then also Samuels will be 19 to 7 over Jeffrey. I would have said, oh, I'll take that all day. I got this. I got this. With the running backs I have, Mari Cooper, Godwin, you know, I know Lockett, I thought Lockett might have a 25 point performance, but to go out for 46. Very impressive. Big win for Jose. Nice victory to get him to five wins. He is 5-4 and four with a winning record and easily will, will make the playoffs. He's just got to win. He will be in the playoffs a lot of, like a lot of the teams that are in the top now. All they got to do is reach that seven-win plateau because you have more points than a lot of these other guys. Get to the seven wins, but you got to make sure you're getting 140 to 180 points per game so you continue to hold that strong lead with points. But congratulations, Jose. Very big victory. Very good game. Uh, Jose sounds like he's trying to make a move, which is very impressive. I'd like to see Jose. There could be some good moves coming up. The trade deadline is coming up within a few weeks. We'll talk about that. Uh, I have too much to talk about. Maybe if I can squeeze, maybe I'll do that. Tomorrow I'll do three games. Um, hype up those three games. I'll choose which ones are important. Uh, my favorite will probably be last, so that'll be for Friday's show. And then maybe on tomorrow or Friday Within those three games uh, that I talk about, I will cover the upcoming free agents for our season. Uh, um, so if we know if you're trading draft picks, you're trading for a pick, who's out there? You know, who who can I get? Because some guys still ask me. They don't even know how long they have the guys on their team. I have it listed on our Facebook page, but I'll still go through it. I'm going to go through uh, tomorrow and put it on either Thursday or Friday's podcast. I will list and talk about every player that is an elite guy or top one or someone who'd been obviously first round pick the next season now that he is a free agent that cannot be kept under contract. So that might put you in perspective. Do you want to trade that first round pick? Do you want to accept the first round, you know, get rid of this guy and 
Do you want to say, hey, man, I, if with this first-round pick, I can have two first-round picks and look at these guys available. This guy's available and this guy's available. And if there's like 15 to 20 really good guys, you know you're looking at two solid you know, wide receiver one or an RB1 and wide receiver one, and that could be better next year than having the guy you have now. So it'll help put things in perspective. Um, we'll see if the trades increase after that. Hopefully everyone listens to the podcast so they, they're missing out on information that's vital. Um, the weekly videos might be put on hold. I'll try to, if I do, they, they might get done on Saturday. It's just so hard. Uh, I got off work tonight at 6.30 and then took the kids right over to Big Air, got home, had dinner, and it's clean clean dishes and get the kids to sleep, do a Bible story, get them to sleep in podcast time. And so it's like, uh, there's not much time to make the video. Podcast is so much easier because you're just talking. And now it's almost midnight, so I got to be done. Jose with the last victory, big win. We went over all six games. And let's see how long this podcast went. 56 minutes. I went from thinking I can talk fast enough in 30 minutes, but once again, I always go off and ramble about other things that um, are not important at the time. So good luck with the waiver wire, guys. I hope you guys got someone you wanted. Um, We'll see. By now, there could be a trade go down. We will find out. I will update you the minute I hear the trade and what pick and what player and -and so-and-so. And uh, if you think you got a shot, Go for it, Dino Dan. Go for it, Jose. Make those moves. You know, let's see some new champions out there. That's what I'm pulling for. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Enjoy your Wednesday, and we will talk to you again on Thursday. Bye bye.